0: Uh, tonight uh, we're going to start to take a look at uh, the book of First John, and uh, we're going to take a look at a few <laughs> verses here, verses one through four, Lord willing. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting to see uh, how God uses this apostle to pen these specific letters and gospel uh, to individuals. Uh, and if you take a look at John in his life, uh, known as the disciple whom Jesus loved, and uh, that's how he refers to himself over there in, um, in the book of John, the gospel. Uh, but we see that he writes the most of the New Testament with five books, um, you know, Paul obviously writing um, uh, many, many more than that, but uh, he's the second most prolific writer in the New Testament. And uh, um, you know, obviously you've got Luke writing a couple, and um, uh, but uh, John here has five. They are short little books, uh uh second and third John are very short, but they are packed with principle. They're packed with doctrine, they're packed with uh practicality, if you will. And what we're going to take a look at here in the this gospel, or not excuse me in this uh um, epistle, this uh letter that he's writing here he's he's writing for purpose he's writing to communicate something and we're going to get into that here in the beginning part uh we're going to take a look at John himself and the way that he does begin to start some of the books and why this is a little bit different but uh one of the key things that uh, I I want to focus on is is some of the way that God uses John to help us study the scriptures uh the way that he goes about writing and we'll talk a little bit about that um uh, Lord willing, as we kind of move through the book and move through, um, some of these things referencing other areas that John has, uh, uh, that the Lord has had John write down. So, but let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer and we'll get going tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for an opportunity to be here, an opportunity, Lord, to learn from you and hear from it, hear from your Holy Spirit and your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would just be receptive this uh, evening and that we would be willing to be taught and uh, willing to uh um just receive uh, the truths that you have here I thank you again lord for uh giving us uh your word uh something that uh very clearly lord you communicate to us your will and uh your desire your care for us and uh uh the plan and and Lord I just pray that we would see that as we begin to endeavor to study this book out and I thank you again for all that you've done for us. Pray, Lord, that this time would be pleasing unto you. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So in First in, uh, John, in chapter 1, we're going to take a look at these four verses. We'll go ahead and read them, uh, kind of establish some things uh, uh, about this. Um, in verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, "...for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full." So we're going to stop right there and just kind of grasp right there. We've got a lot that he has just thrown at us. There's a lot that is um, in this passage. And one of the things that we know uh, that the Lord uses John for in this in this way of teaching and studying scripture is we see that the way that uh, um, the, the books that John has written, uh, specifically say like the book of Revelation, we learn biblical principles of how God communicates. So as an example, you go to the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, and you will find that you have to pay very close attention to what's going on in that book. Otherwise, you're going to be completely confused. Now, I will tell you this. We cannot sit down and say, I know everything that's going to happen, and I know exactly what this is, and I know exactly what that is, because that hasn't happened yet. Uh, so we would be in error to say, oh, I know exactly what it means when they're lifted up by, you know, the wings of an eagle. I've heard people preach messages of, oh, that's a, that's a C5 galaxy that the Lord's gonna use, that the United States Army's gonna airlift these, uh, these Jews and take, and I'm like, what? Wait, what, what? Where? You don't see stuff like that. And, and I've heard the whole uh, uh, things that come out with the scorpion tail and the, 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 uh, the hair and the teeth and things like that. And they're afflicting the people and they're like, oh, those are Apache gunship hel- helicopters. And I'm like, you realize that an Apache gunship helicopter isn't something that, you know, wages terror on a person wanting that they would want to die and they don't. Those things are meant to kill. They're meant to kill. I mean, they've got scripturally hellfire missiles, if you will, and uh, you know the, the the chain gun underneath it just does lethal damage. Why why in the world would we want to try to say that we know exactly what's going to happen there? I, kind of a little off topic on that, but but what we see is we see what the Lord and and this is somebody you know if you will somebody else's term. Um, he the, the Lord uses what's called looping parallelism. And we find that throughout the book of Revelation, meaning that he discusses something, he mentions it, and then from that, he will go back and he will add more detail. So you have the two parallel books of Genesis and Revelation that go together. Those two books, Genesis and Revelation, have some very clear, similar principles. As an example, you have the very first part of the book of Genesis Where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then he loops back and he gives you detail, starting in verse 2, of how he went about doing that. And then he goes through and he says, on day 6, he created man, male and female, right? Okay? Well, what do we have in chapter 2? We have the full description of how he created man and how he created woman. So what is he doing? He's looping back, giving you more detail. He's making a statement, he's saying, okay, here's the outline, here's what we're gonna talk about, and then he goes back and he says, okay, now here's these specific points, and now we're gonna go back and give more detail. And we find that, you know, that's even a principle that is taught in sermon preparation. That's a, a principle that is taught in outlining. If you remember your outlines that you had to do in, in school and had to go through and outline all of them and, you know, detail all that stuff. And you went through your major points and then you had your sub points and then you had the supporting points and so on and so forth. Right. All of those things would go back to prove the major point of what the outline was to communicate. And you have this beginning statement, and then you would have a summarizing statement. Well, what God uses John to do is he does the same thing over there in the book of Revelation that you see over there in Genesis. And you find that there's a very close connection with what God does in that passage in Genesis chapter 1 with the passage in John chapter 1 and what we find over there in uh, the book of Revelation with those going back and giving additional detail because what do we find even here in in John chapter first uh, John chapter 1 uh, in verse 1 what is he talking about again the beginning the beginning he goes back to the beginning you know sometimes that's where you have to start In counseling, when you're going through, you can deal with the symptoms. You can try to address symptoms. I mean, the healthcare industry addresses symptoms. They deal with symptoms in order to try to find out what's causing the problem. Well, when it comes to counseling, sometimes you've got all of these little ancillary sins, if you will, that are out there that are going to take you down rabbit holes and different trails but you've got to get to the root of the issue. Is the major sin a sin of pride? Is the major sin a sin of a, a, a lack of faith? Because whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. Is it, is it an issue of uh, um, a person just saying, hey, I don't want to do anything, and I'm going to be lazy? And you've got to get to that root, sin. You've got to get to those roots and those things that, that are the core, if you will, of why all of the other sins exist. You know, people are out there doing horrible things. And they're doing horrible things for money. And they're stealing and they're doing all of this. And you, 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 the stealing is, if you will, a subset problem of the fact that they're not willing to go to work. Yeah. They're not willing to have a, a legitimate job. The drugs may be, in, you know, a part of that in there and in, and in, in causing those problems and causing other issues. But I will tell you this, you know, what the major issue is, is it's the fact that that person doesn't think that they need to work. Now, that's a sin problem. Right. You got to get to those roots. Sometimes you got to go back to the beginning. And this is what I like about John is he goes back to those beginnings. In, 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 in John chapter one, he says in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, you have that parallel, if you will, first verse where it says in the beginning. And here we've got this other parallel where he says that which was from the beginning. And he's going back to that major, if you will, event of the beginning of what God calls time. Man is a creature of time. Man exists in a time frame. We're given a span of time that we live in. We're supposed to redeem the time as we talked about this morning very briefly. But what we see is is that it is a time frame. The beginning signifies the start of it. And the clock begins till the clock ends. And on either side of that, you have eternity. You have no idea what's on the other side of that. Why? Because we are creatures of time. We are creatures of time. We were talking with one of the, uh, um, the nurses the other day. And I was mentioning that the, some of the issues that I'm having is I'm just having increased pain and things of that nature. And I'm like, I don't understand why, because I used to be able to handle pain. I used to be able to handle pain. It wasn't that big of a deal. I would just kind of, you know, suck it up and move on kind of situation, right? Well, I'll tell you this, that, 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 that doesn't seem to work that much anymore. And you know what she said? She said, as you get older, your pain tolerance decreases. I'm like, yay. <laughs> just what I'm looking forward to and I'm like you ought to be living on dilated for the rest of my life if you don't know what that is that's a synthetic morphine um, but but the fact is you know we're creatures of time we've we we we've gotten older you ever go and look in, in the mirror and then look at your hair and go man it's gone gray yeah. <laughs> You're so young back there. What are you talking about, brother? (laughs) What are you talking about? You know, it's just one of those things that you begin to look at and go, wow, getting up there in age. We're creatures of time. And I like this fact that God uses John to remind us of that principle. He uses this to remind us of the principle that we have time frames, that God uses time frames. That is a key, important structure of Scripture. If you don't understand the time frames in Scripture, you're going to get really kind of messed up. If you don't understand the idea of what we talked about, of him going back and adding detail, that, that, that looping parallelism, as it's been called, uh, you're going to get messed up really quickly. And I like him going back and showing this. And what it does is, and we're going to see here as we go through these scriptures, is we are comparing the things that are spiritual with the things that are spiritual. We're looking at scripture. We're we're studying it, you know, line upon line, meaning we're looking at one line in a book and looking at the next line in a book. And we're saying, okay, look at these things and how they come together to show the truth of the word of God and who he is and what principle he's trying to teach us. God uses John to do a lot of this. Now he uses, I mean, every single part of the book to do that. But I just like the fact to see that here's the disciple whom he loved and he's over there doing what the Lord has asked him to do. And he's writing these books and he's putting them down the way that God wants them put down. And he uses them in such a way to help teach us biblical principles. I like to think of John as the teaching apostle. I like to think of him as the teaching apostle. I mean, you've got, you know, obviously you've got Paul and he very much taught. But I, I, to me, in my mind, in my opinion, okay, this is my opinion. I just think of John as a teaching apostle. Because there's so much there. There's so much there. People always talk about, you know, what books should a person start reading when they trust Christ as their Savior, and uh, they've got a Bible and they're like going to start reading the Bible. Man, read John. Yeah. It's one of the most translated books of the Bible. They're always people are always handing out uh, things of John and Romans. Right. Romans is a tough book, though. Yeah. I like the Reader's Digest version. Ephesians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians just gets to the point. <laughs> I like it, uh, you know, it has some similar principles, Israel church, you know, God, gave, you know, kind of bring them together. God brought them together so that we can all have this eternal life. That's being promised all of these things in the body of Christ. I, I like how he does that go about doing that. Paul, Paul takes 16 chapters with that in the book of Romans because the Romans needed a lot more detail. The Ephesians just kind of like, here, here's a reader's digest version. Here's the summary. Here you go. And they get that. So I, I would always go with Ephesians. So if somebody asked me what books, I would be like, okay, I want, you know, J- John is going to give you a good understanding of who Jesus Christ is. He is God. That's the, that is the theme of the book. That is the theme of the book. And I will tell you, that is the theme of every single one of John's books. Think about it. If, if, if you've got Matthew portraying Christ as king, Mark portraying him as a servant, Luke portraying him as the son of man. You've got John portraying him as deity. He is God. Not he is a God. Not he is, you know, from God as, you know, you know, as if you will, a born child. But no, he presents him as God throughout it. And what you find in the book of First John is the same principle. The same principle. And we do see here 1 John kind of begins to almost summarize the gospel of John. You almost have to read John and then go back to 1 John and kind of get some more detail and some more understanding with that. This is why I like John because, again, it's teaching. It's revealing who Christ is, which is what the book of Revelation is about. People, say, people always call it the, the, the book of Revelation revelations. There's no S at the end. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That Jesus Christ is being revealed to everyone. Jesus Christ is being revealed to the world as he comes back to rule and to reign. But some bad stuff's gonna happen before that. But again, it's all coming back to Jesus Christ getting the kingdom and you, and, and, and if you will, ruling and reigning. That's what that book is about. People have always said, you know, when you're witnessing, well, if God would just show himself, well, God shows himself in the book of Revelation. And what happens? They try to keep him from the earth. They know it's Jesus Christ coming back and they try to fight him. And then at the end of the millennial reign, they get deceived again. And what do they do? They try to get him off the earth. Good grief. Good grief. If Jesus Christ revealed himself, they still wouldn't believe. Why? Because they don't want him in their life. They reject him wholly, completely. That's something that we have to understand. Mankind, there are people that are going to choose to do that. Not everybody's going to trust Christ as their Savior. But God has extended his love towards all. He says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He died from everybody, from Adolf Hitler to to me. And we have to understand that concept. And what what John does is he begins to talk about that. And talk about, if you will, give that demonstration of what it looks like. And we'll, we'll learn more about this. But as we begin in this first few verses here, Um, in this, if you will, introduction, he talks about what the purpose is behind it. And we'll get to verse four in more detail, but he says, these things I write unto you, or excuse me, write We unto you that your joy may be full. You know what the word of God does for you. It increases your joy. It increases your joy. I tell you if you're walking around and you've got the you know the the if you will the the down in the dumps and uh you got the little rain cloud over your head and you're just kind of shuffling around mumbling to yourself uh I find myself doing that lately um but uh you know you you're going around and you're just kind of like you kind of got that murmuring mentality and the joy of Jesus Christ isn't there, and pick up the word of God and just read. And if you want some good place to start, start with the last five chapters of the book of Psalms. What does it talk about over and over and over again with those Psalms? Praise ye the Lord. 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 And you begin to realize, hey, I need to be praising God. And you begin to realize, hey, that's how my joy is going to get full. So here he is, he's writing to these individuals for the purpose, and it doesn't clearly clarify who this is that he's writing to, so it's, if you will, a general epistle to many individuals. Not just one specific church, but to a large group, to believers. And we can see here, as he's writing these things, he's writing for that purpose, and he's showing, hey, I, I, I've got all this evidence. I've got all of this uh, this stuff, this proof, and all of these things. I've got it all here, but I want you to realize that the purpose that it's writing is that your joy would be full. Sometimes our joy is just not full. We are not joyful. I mean, those, there's two words put together. We're not joyful. And the problem is, is we haven't let the Holy Spirit work in our hearts. Because that is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, as we talked about this morning. So if we want that joy to increase, then we have to begin to realize that these things that were written down for us was so that our joy would increase. That it would overflow. That it would be evident in our life. So we begin to see this this purpose, and we'll come back to that a little bit more. But in order to get to that point, he says, look, I want to bring up something, and it comes back to who Jesus Christ is. It comes back to this main, uh, if you will, uh point that he's always emphasizing. And we're going to find some more out about this. But in verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, uh, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. So let's talk a little bit about the word of life. Let's start there. Because he capitalizes that, and that capitalization of the word, word, is referencing the name of Jesus Christ. It goes right back to, Gen- to, to um, John chapter 1, and we'll see that here in a minute. And here he is in, in, in this word, and when we begin to think about it, This is, this is something that it's the word of another person. And that's God. He is from God. He, 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 it's from the Father. He is His word. By the word, everything was created. We find that over and again in John chapter one. And how did He create it? It says, and God said, let there be light. There was spoken into existence light. Well, who is Jesus Christ or what is Jesus Christ called in John chapter one with a capital L light? We start seeing these connections here. We start seeing these, if you will, teaching who Jesus Christ is. And he is this light. And and we'll talk a bit more about that here as we get a little bit further. But when we start talking about this word of life, We realize that he is also life. We'll find those verses here in a second. But here I want us to, to, to realize that he, if you will, this is God speaking to us, God teaching us, God showing us, God giving us, if you will, more than just idle, vain words, but words that have value, words that are vital to our existence, words that bring about that thing that all people crave and that is a life worth living the life that is more abundant that Jesus Christ talks about you know people in this life seek for validation they want to be validated they want they want their existence recognized why is that because they they, they have a value of their life they have a value of their life the problem is, is that they think that the value of life is in things or in physical uh, pleasure or in, in in things that are carnal and things that are fleshly. But again, as God talks about, as Jesus Christ says, if a man loses, his gains the whole world, but loses his soul, he's lost it all. Regardless of what he had in this life. Because this life is but for a moment, it's the life that is afterwards that is the important life to think about living. Because you got two choices. You can have eternal life, or you can have eternal death. Eternal torment and punishment, or peace and joy, and if you will, happiness, in Christ, in heaven, new earth, All of that new creation, you can have that, that can be the choice, but it comes down to which one you're going to choose. There's no middle ground. There is no purgatory. There is no limbo. There is no reincarnation to try again. There is none as the uh, this emergent church, this progressive Christian church, uh, humanist church as they call themselves, Um, talks about, which is that everybody is going to trust Christ as their savior at some point in time, that everybody is going to get to a point of where uh, they're, they're going to be presented with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to be there on the throne and they get a last chance and the devil himself is going to be saved. No, that that no, that's not what God says. You know what the book of Revelation says? book of Revelation says he's getting thrown in a lake of fire. Forever. Along with the beast, along with the false prophet, and along with anyone else that has rejected Jesus Christ. And John writes that down and says, that's something major that we have to think about. Something that we have to really truly begin to, if you will, ponder in our life. We're going to be faced with that decision at some point, And we've probably all here have been faced with that choice of you're going to trust Christ as your Savior or you're not. There's nothing else that's going to keep you from hell. There's nothing else that's going to keep you from that torment. Except for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice on Calvary, and the power of his resurrection. End of story. That's what the Bible talks about, and we'll see that. So when we start talking about the word of life, we're talking about the life that he's giving to us. This life that was purchased on the cross, that was purchased with His shed blood. We see these things. Turn to, uh, keep your place there in uh, um, in First John, and go over to the book of John itself, the Gospel of John. Gospel of John and John chapter one. And here he is in a similar fashion, in the same form, talking about this passage. It says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see very clearly here that he is talking about Jesus Christ. Because he starts talking about the Word being made flesh. Being manifest, as he talks about over in, in 1 John chapter 1, which we, we read and we'll get to further on. But what we find is is that this word isn't just words, it's words of life. It's the word of life because in verse 4 it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Otherwise, we're walking around in spiritual darkness. The things that are taught from Scripture to those that perish, it's foolishness. The preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. They don't get it. They don't understand. Everybody is in this big giant uproar about uh, uh over in Camas, a, a church bought an old pizza parlor and they're going to open up some youth center over there. Now, I don't know who the church is, and I don't know what they're affiliated with. I don't know what their statement of faith is. But I do know this, is that a lot of people have said a lot of things that are theophobic. You ever heard that word, theophobic? You know what that means? It means basically they're afraid of God. Yeah. They're adverse to him. It's kind of some of the same words that people throw out there about uh, uh, other individuals. And they say, well, they say if a person's transphobic or homophobic or something like that. Well, people start spouting their stuff off. They're theophobic. Yeah. They're theophobic. Or Christophobic. Because they're afraid of Christians in Christ. Right. They don't like being called that. And I'm like, well, I don't like being called the other thing. Right. So how about we just kind of stop calling names and get to the truth? Yeah. Right. But moving on on that point, you know, people people are all upset about this. They're upset over the fact, and it's going to be a for-profit organization, so they're going to pay taxes. But the end result is, is that they're trying to do something for, for, for God. Um, and hopefully they're going to do it the right way. But I'll tell you, there's a bunch of people that are upset about it. They're upset about it. Why are they upset about it? Because they're upset that God's being brought into, if you will, life. And you know what? They're blind people leading blind, as Jesus Jesus clearly says. They're the blind leading the blind. And they're out there, and they're in spiritual darkness, and they're struggling. And you know what? They need light. They need light. Could you imagine being blind from birth, and then all of a sudden you get an opportunity to see? Have you ever seen those videos where people are deaf, and they have never heard anything before? and they're given to the implants, and they turn the implants on, and the first thing they hear is like their mother's voice or their spouse's voice. Oh man, that'll bring you to tears. It'll bring you to tears. Because you just see them, all of a sudden they hear that, and they just begin to cry. Because the very first thing that they hear. Could you imagine being blind, and then having the first thing that you see be Jesus Christ? Could you imagine not knowing what light is and then all of a sudden you begin to see light. You see daylight. You see this beautiful nice weather that we're probably going to lose here and it's going to start raining in about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this nice sunshine that we got out there, it looks like it actually actually looks like spring. You know, and we look out there and we see that could you imagine not having that? And what we find is, is that God makes mention of this and says that in Christ is life. And that, as he says here, and that life was the light of men. It's the new life. It's the new creature. It's something that is, 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 is not in, in, involved in darkness. Take a look at the book of John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we'll see some other passages here in this gospel that that parallel with what he's talking about with this word and word of life specifically. In John chapter 5, and in verse 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting what? Life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Here he is making very clearly, he's saying, this is how you go about doing it. And what's one of the first things that you have to do? You have to hear the word. You have to hear the word. People don't want to hear it today. People don't want to hear it today. You know what you have to do? You have to print a track and you have to try to hand it to them now they've gotten savvy to know to what tracks are. And they see something that's that specific size and they don't want it. So you know what? Ingenious idea. Make the track the size of a business card. Why? Because everybody takes a business card. There was a guy that was down in Portland and he noticed that he would go out there and he'd try to hand tracks to individuals that were down there in like Pioneer Place and he's trying to hand it out there and uh, and, uh, um, and people are refusing it and refusing it refusing it. And he made a bunch of tracks on a small business card, uh, and it would have some pretty, one, one has a pretty scary image of the, of death, you know, as a skeleton on the front and, and man, people were grabbing that up left and right. Some of them had American flag, like the ones that we've got back there. You know what they're doing? They're grabbing that up left and right. The ones back there that we have just simply say thank you that you can leave uh for um you know somebody that's done you a service you can leave uh, leave it when you go to red robin and get your burger or whatever it is and and you can say thank you or somebody give you know does something for you you can hand that to them and say thank you and it gives it gives probably the, the, the greatest message in this world has has ever seen about the gospel of Jesus Christ on the back of that And you know what? They'll receive that. They'll receive that. They'll take it. They won't take a track, but they'll take a business card. Well, that's interesting. But man doesn't want to hear that. But there has to be a hearing of the Word of God, and there has to be a believing. There has to be a hearing, and there has to be a believing. I like to point this one out to Calvinists why in the world would you have to hear it? If everybody's just going to be saved and they're going to be saved the same way and that grace is going to fall upon them and it's going to be irresistible and they're just going to like, ah, go to it, then what's the sense of hearing? What's the sense of preaching? Go down a really dark path really quickly with that doctrine. But here he makes it very clear that that life comes from him. He that heareth the word. He that heareth the word, Jesus Christ being the word of God. Turn to chapter six, next chapter over in John chapter six. John chapter six is a very pivotal verse in scripture. It's got a lot of verses. It's got 71 verses, but John chapter six, verse 66 is where a bunch of people leave Jesus Christ because the doctrine was too hard about the doctrine of you know his, his body and his blood. They short circuited on that and they left, but here in this passage in John chapter six, I want you to jump down over to verse sixty three. Here, here he is kind of going into this uh, this concept of what he's teaching about eating and drinking of his flesh and his blood, which they're not getting. And you know, he asks the question, uh, um, "Doth this offend you?" And he says in verse sixty three, "It is the Spirit that quickeneth." The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are what? Life. Here he is talking about his body being brutalized and him shedding his blood. He's talking about the crucifixion. He's talking about receiving it. And he uses some very difficult words for them, and they're offended by this, and they're, they're appalled at this, and they're, if you will, confused by it, and they don't get it, and here he makes it very clear. He's saying, look, it's the Spirit that quickeneth. It's the Holy Spirit of God that does that work. And here he's saying, the flesh profiteth nothing. He's not talking about the physical flesh, and they're not getting it. They're like, we're not cannibals. He's like, this is about a spiritual thing. And he makes it very clear. He says, the words that I speak, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This book, the word of God, the things that are written down, the things that are preserved forever in heaven. This, this right here is life. If you want a good life, this is where it is. This is where it's found. It's not found anywhere else. You're not gonna find it in, 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 in you're not gonna find it in the Quran. I've read the Quran. I'll summarize it for you. You. It doesn't offer life. It offers principles that may sound like they come from Scripture, and some of them do. But I will tell you this, the whole point behind it is something totally different. It's not life in Jesus Christ. It's not life in Jesus Christ. This life is a life worth living. Well, does that mean that you're going to have, you know, uh, if you will, the prosperity theory of you're going to have riches and you're going to have, uh, you know, all of these glorious things here in this physical life and, and you're just going to have, you know, great health and things of that nature? No, go ask Job. Job had all that, but he lost it all in an instant. But he was called perfect and upright and shoot evil. So when we look at this passage, we find here very clearly that he's not talking about the life of the flesh. He's talking about the spiritual life that is the life that we are to have. This flesh is, if you will, secondary. It's secondary. The main life that we live here on this earth is not the flesh. It's the spiritual life. It's the connection with God. It's the connection uh, through his word. It's the connection through prayer. It's the connection through spirit and fellowship and worship. It's all those things that we talk about. And even though you can have tons of problems, you can have all sorts of crazy things go on. I mean, You could be facing, you know, massive health issues. You could be facing difficult times ahead financially. Does that mean your life is a mess, that your life is horrible? That, that, that all of a sudden, you know, as, as the song says, everybody hates me, nobody loves me, I'm going to the garden to eat worms. You ever heard that song? Did I just really truly date myself with that one? Okay, anyways, um, it's, it's, it's one of those pity songs. And, 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 and that's the problem. Is, we, we think that life isn't worth living because we have some, some issues with the flesh. No, that's not the case. Our life still is worth living. If it's found in Jesus Christ. If it's found in something else of the flesh, it doesn't profit you anything. Anything. Take a look at verse 68 as he, as he talks about this. Uh um and uh as as he goes through and talks about more detail in verse sixty six, it says, From that time uh many of his disciples went back and walked with him uh walked uh no more with him. It's probably one of the most heartbreaking verses in all of Scripture in John six sixty six. <clears throat> and people say there is no there there's nothing to those numbers. Yeah, anyways, uh, moving on on that, you know, he asks the, the, the disciples, the twelve, and he said unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Well, that's a tough statement. Yeah. You're faced with a difficult doctrine, you're faced with uh, something that, that you may not fully understand, is that how's it gonna affect you? How's it gonna affect you? Because they didn't fully understand what he was talking about. Otherwise, they would have had a very different response after the crucifixion. Yeah. But they, 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 they were having some issues with this, but they, they stuck around and praise the Lord for that. And the 12 stuck and it says, uh, he asked them, he says, will you also go away? I wonder how many times God has asked that to us in our life. We we'll go through a difficult time and he goes, will you go away from me? Or are you going to stay? You don't understand it. Are you going to stick around, or are you going to abandon ship? And here he says in this passage, or excuse me, here's Simon Peter saying something in this passage that that is good for Simon Peter to say. Simon Peter didn't always put his foot in his mouth, just most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and Simon Peter answered him, saying, "Lord, to whom shall we go? Who else is out there? John the Baptist has been beheaded." Where are we going to go? He says, thou hast the words of what? Eternal life. life. And where is this recorded? This is recorded in the book of John. And he says in verse 69, he says, and we believe and we are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter answered well. Peter had a good answer. And, and, And it comes down to that. When we start looking at this this concept, he's got the words of eternal life. And this is that word of life that we talk about. Turning in over to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. And this is something uh, that I mentioned when we were studying Philippians. Philippians chapter two and in uh um in verse uh Oh, let's just go ahead and uh, back up here to to talking about the will of God in verse 13. He says, for it is God, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, again, we're allowing God to do something in our life, his will and what he, what pleases him. And he goes and he says, here, here's how we go about doing that. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, man, that one's hard, man, that one's hard that you may be blameless and harmless The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. Holding forth the word of life. You know, our testimony, our witness, is based off of this book. It's not based off of an emotional experience. It's not based off of a feeling. I don't like using that word feelings. In place of emotions. Because when you feel something, you're feeling it physically. So when I woke up from surgery, I felt something. It hurt. It hurt. I still feel things that hurts. There's a physical tiredness that I feel. That's not an emotional response. Let's not confuse it because we get that confused right there with anxiety all the time. Why? Because anxiety does produce feelings, sweaty palms, sweat on the forehead, dry mouth, feeling like you're going to, you know, expel things, (laughs) feeling sick to your stomach, the butterflies in the stomach, as they call it, things like that. You have those feelings and I guarantee you, you focus on those feelings, you focus on the physical feelings, your anxiety levels will increase. So focus on the emotion. Focus on the emotion. Why is it there? Why is it there? As I said this morning, you know, I get up and every single time I'm getting ready to do any type of message, I get anxiety. I embrace it. I love it. You're like, you're crazy. No, no. I'm using what God has given me for the right purpose. Because when I that anxiety comes up, you know what it means? It means, are you ready to do what God's asking you to do? Absolutely. Have I prayed over it? Probably not as much as I should, but I probably should pray some more. That's what anxiety does. Have you prepared all that you could prepare? I could probably prepare some more. But most importantly... Am I willing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing it? Right. I'm doing it for the glory of God. That's one of the most important parts. So, yeah, I'm going to have some anxiety about that. Because I my, my body, if you will, is giving me a clue, a check engine light of, hey, you better check your heart. Yeah, that's right. You better check your heart. And what does that do? All emotion just draws you right back to God. All of it. Whether it's fear, whether it's sadness, whether it's anger, or whether it's happiness. It all draws you back to God. And with anxiety, the first thing you do is you start looking at it going, Hey, you know what? I got to get to this thing with my heart. I got to take a look at it. I got to make sure I'm searching, being searched and tried here. I got to make sure that what I'm doing, I'm doing for his pleasure and for his will. That's what it comes out to. So when we hold forth this word of life, there's going to be some anxiety probably. I remember the first time that I actually was witnessing to somebody. (laughs) And they're like, what? (laughs) You're like... (laughs) You're trying to speak English and they're just it's not coming out. You're like, I'm speaking in tongues. It's, you just, you know, and you're trying to do that and you're sitting there going, man, you're going to have that. But you know what? It's not your responsibility to get that person saved. Right. It's your responsibility to go out there and plant the Word of God. Yes. Throw some verses out there. Tell them what the Bible says. Well, I, I don't know what the Bible says. Well, then you don't know how to hold forth the Word of life. You got to learn. You have to learn. But this is very clear when we go back over there to, to the first John. Let's go back and, and kind of close this part up. And I didn't get as far as I wanted to, obviously, because we're talking about the word of life and we're talking about Jesus Christ. Man, you couldn't feel hours talking about the Savior. You can feel hours talking about the Savior. But what we find here is we see that he's talking about him and he's talking about him from the beginning. From the beginning, just like John 1, in the beginning was the word. And here he is saying again, that which was from the beginning, this word of life. And he's saying very clearly that this word of life, and we find here in verse 2, is being manifested. Now this is, I I know it seems like I'm skipping some things, but we're going to come back to it here. Uh, Again, looping back to it. But what we find here is in this next verse, it says the life was manifested. God showed this word of life. God showed how this life was to be lived. God demonstrated it. It just wasn't, if you will, theoretical, but it was practical. He put it in action. He lived that life. And he showed us as an example, this is how you should do things. And what we find here is we find that John references this and says, hey, this is an important thing. We need to understand that this word of life was manifested to to us. And it goes goes back and parallels what we find in John chapter 1, verse 14, where the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ physically existed. For a long time, people were arguing and saying, well, Jesus Christ was never here. Jesus Christ was never here. And then they find a bunch of historical documents and they go, well, I guess he was. <laughs> but he was just some man. He was just some man. A, 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 a lie that has existed from, from that point where people just thought he was just a man. Just a man young man came up to me today and he was asking me a question that somebody uh, had been talking to him about Jesus Christ and this person told this young man and said uh, oh Jesus Christ had a son mm-hmm. Uh no he didn't chapter and verse please right. well and they go to some other book you go nope mm-mm. I'm going to believe what's in the Bible Your historical documents, that that, that somebody else named Jesus. There was other people named Jesus, as we see in Scripture. But but just let's keep that in mind. That wasn't Jesus Christ. That wasn't Christ Jesus, our Lord, that he clearly identifies frequently throughout this. And this is, again, we're talking about the word of life. No, he never had a son. He was never married. Mm -hmm. He didn't have him out of wedlock either. As many people talk about, and you, know why they do that? Because they want to discount who Jesus Christ is. They want to discount who Jesus Christ is. And here he says, "This life was manifested." This life was manifested. Jumping back up to verse one, here he talks about how he's how how, how they've uh, um, as he says here in verse uh, verse one, which we have heard, which we have uh, seen with our eyes which we have looked upon, which we have handled of the word of life. Now, again, we're going to go back to these, but again, I wanted to, to, to just bring this up that he was physical. He wasn't just some ghost and spirit body floating around. He was physical. There was flesh with him. That flesh had to die in our stead. That blood had to be shed in our stead for us. It wasn't as a spirit. It wasn't a ghost. It wasn't some angel. It was something different. It was something that God had not done before. And God had, had done this and sent His Son, His Word, to us so that we might be redeemed. As John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is something very clearly that we look at and we see that we need. And here he is being a testament to this saying this life was manifested and this life was manifested. And he says in verse two, for this life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you the eternal life, which was with the father, which, and, and was manifest unto us. He's talking about this and it's almost like he's repeating himself saying, God, manifest himself to us guys do we not get that concept could you imagine seeing jesus like that now i look forward to seeing jesus christ but seeing him then in the physical form watching him ascend to heaven Seeing the scars in his hand, in his feet, in his side, man, he was manifest. And and, and the important thing is he's demonstrating here, he's talking about God manifested this life to us. He made it readily available to us. He made it so that we could receive it. He made it so that it would be evidential. He made it in such a way that, that it can be shown unto us. And he talks about this throughout Scripture, and throughout, throughout the New Testament, and throughout this book of First John. And this eternal life that he talks about is one that a lot of people want. They want to live forever. You remember when cryogenics was a big thing and everybody was freezing their bodies and their heads? What? Well, one day we're going to have the technology. Uh, you ever seen what happens to your meat when you leave it too long in the freezer? <laughs> you ever pull that steak out and go, how long has that been there? And you brush off the, 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 the quarter inch of ice and you're like, well, I'm going to go ahead and put that on the, the grill. If you're wise, you don't do that. You throw it away. But you decide you're going to try to cook it, and you're like, what is that smell? And then you, you you go and you take a bite out of it, and you're going, something's not right here. You know, people froze themselves for the purpose of eternal life so that they'd live forever. Well, that life is only going to be found in Jesus Christ. Turn over to a couple of passages, and then we'll be done. I want to just finish this point. Turn over to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 and in verse uh, 48 here, it says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they glorified the word of the Lord, and as many were ordained to eternal life, believed. Man alive. Gentiles heard the word of God, and what did they do? They believed. They believed they received that word, and they were received eternal life. that life that was manifest, they readily received it. they readily received it. Going back over to their first John, take a look at chapter two, First John chapter two, and in verse 25, first John 2:25 it says, "And this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. aren't you glad he keeps his promises? Aren't you glad that he is not a man that he should lie? Yeah. Gentiles were glad about that. And they said, hey, you're offering eternal life. Sign me up. Sign me up. It's an amazing thing to see. Take a look at one final passage in chapter 5. We're going to take a look at a couple of verses here. I don't want to hit them too much but, because we'll eventually come back to them. But in First John chapter 5 and in verse 11, it says, And this is the record. That God has given unto uh, given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son, and He clearly identifies who His Son is in the previous part, where He starts talking about in verse seven. For there are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Man, that's an important verse. That is a very important verse in Scripture. Why is that? Because it just shows right there that Jesus Christ is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father is God. They're all God. That's who he is. That's who he is. But we see here in verse 11, we see that God has given us eternal life. That's the record. That's the record. Man, some of us have records, right? Some of us have criminal records. Some of us have records on our driving. Things like that. I'll never remember when John Thompson, when he was, uh, if you remember, he was Vancouver police department. I was going with a ride along with him and he, uh, he, uh, said, uh, need to do a background check. And I'm like, okay. I don't have any anxiety about background checks. So I filled out the stuff, handed it to him. He ran it. He comes back to me the next Sunday and he says, We got a little problem with the background check. I said, What? He said, Well, I ran it and you don't exist. I'm like, What? He said, There is nothing on you. He said, There is, he says, I don't even see a speeding ticket. And I'm like, Oh, I've had a couple of speeding tickets. And he's like, They're not on the record. I'm like, What? He goes, there's nothing there. He said, I was so confused. He's like, and I didn't believe it. He said, I ran it again. And just to prove, you know, just, just cause in case I was wrong. And it came back and there was nothing. He says, you don't exist. <laughs> and I just started laughing and I'm like, well, I, I don't know what to say about that. But he said, well, you've obviously run other people in the church that have been on right alongs And he goes, yes, I have. And they exist. <laughs> And I'm like, are they like really bad? And he goes, we're not going to talk about that. And I'm like, okay, this is not good. You know, God's on the record. And God's on the record, and his record is clean. His record is good. And if he's given us a promise, and he's now saying he's going on record, and saying that God's giving us eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son, hey, That is a promise that we can cling to and believe in. And what we find here in this in in one more verse here, jump down to verse 20. It says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And there's a lot packed in this one verse, but we're not going to get all of this. It says, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ, This is the true God and eternal life right there in Jesus Christ. So from the very beginning of this book, John sets this up of the most important part is understanding the word of God. The word of life, what it's doing for us and why that's going to bring us joy when we start talking about it, when we meditate on it when we read about it, and when we think on those things that God's given us. Now, next week, we'll pick up and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, being from the Father, uh, move a little bit further as we get to uh, to verse 4. I was hoping we would get a lot farther than we did, but we got got a good chunk. There's a lot here to talk about. I know I'm over time, but you guys had nothing to do anyways. So uh, let's go ahead and be dismissed with the word of prayer, and uh, we can head out. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. I thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, to be in your word pray, Lord, that you would just continue to use these verses to just fill our joy, uh, that uh, our cup would run over, because, Lord, we are believing what you have said. We are trusting in your promises. And, Lord, it's very clear and evident that you've loved us, you gave yourself for us, and you've promised that eternal life. I thank you, Lord, for, for sending somebody to tell me. I thank you, Lord, that it was so free and freely given. And I pray, Lord, that we would just keep that in mind, that we put on that helmet of salvation, understanding how great a salvation we have. We have eternal life. We have forgiveness of sins. And we have a relationship with the Creator. I thank you so much for this. And I pray these things in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.